No matter what happens in the world, God is still in control, a very present help in times of trouble. Let Dr. David Jeremiah help you start each day renewed and refreshed with his new yearly devotional called Strength for Today. This beautiful leather soft book features short readings reminding you to hold tight to God's faithfulness and find wisdom from God's Word. Receive Strength for Today in appreciation for your gift this month. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca. This year, bring the celebration of Christmas home through Turning Point's online Home for Christmas channel. Fill your season with all your favorite holiday traditions music, carols, laughter, inspirational Bible teaching, and more. All at your fingertips, completely free. To be played on your phone, your car, at home, or anywhere you need a little Christmas. Simply log on to davidjeremiah.org or turningpoint.tv. Merry Christmas from all of us at Turning Point. And thank you for spending this time with Dr. David Jeremiah as you celebrate the birth of our Savior. If you need help keeping Jesus the focus of your celebration, just remember the word that captures his loving focus on you, Savior. To wrap up the series, Why the Nativity, here's David with the conclusion of his message, Why Call Him Savior? Well, friends, uh, some years ago, I wrote a little book called Why the Nativity, and there are 25 chapters in that book, and each little chapter asks a question. We have dealt with many of those questions during the month of December. Why did Jesus become a man? Why Joseph? Why Mary? Why Bethlehem? Why there was no room in the inn? Why the shepherds? Why the gift of the wise men? Why music at Christmas? Why call him Emmanuel? And today, finally, why call him Savior? All of these lessons are in a study guide that you can get from Turning Point along with the uh, CD album so that you'll have all this teaching on Christmas, not only for you to review at this time, but to hang on to for the Christmases that are ahead for you uh, in your life as you have opportunity to share the real meaning of Christmas with others. And friends, don't forget the resource for the month of December is the beautiful new devotional Strength for Today. Uh, This brand new devotional just in our hands in a very short time is available to you for a gift of any size uh, in the remaining days of the month of December. When you send your gift, just simply ask for the devotional. When you get it, you will be amazed at how beautiful it is, how wonderfully it feels in your hands as you hold it. It's a little bigger than some of the ones we did in the distant past because we've increased the font size. It's easy to read. And most of all, what you read will be a blessing to you and an encouragement to your life every day for the whole new year. Be sure and ask for your copy of Strength for Today when you send your December gift today. Now, before we begin this last message, let me say Merry Christmas to all of you from Donna, from all of our family, from all of the staff here at Turning Point, from all of us who are committed to reaching out to you with the message of the Word of God. Merry Christmas, and God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Let's study God's Word. The Savior is needed to seek the lost, and the Savior is needed to save the lost. He came to seek and to save. If he found us and didn't save us, we'd be in the same position we were before. But he came to save us. Now I have to tell you, that word has fallen on hard times. 
We use every word that we can come up with from the dictionary except the word saved. I remember growing up as a boy, it was a common thing to ask somebody if they'd been saved. I remember one little foray into the witnessing arena when I was a student at Dallas Seminary. I was taking some courses at North Texas State University, some graduate courses, and I was going through a period of time, now you've probably never been through a time like this, when I was feeling very guilty that I was so busy about doing the Christian thing that I wasn't witnessing. I had probably heard a message on witnessing that had put me under a guilt trip. And so I determined this week I was going to witness. And I went to my class and sat next to a friend, and I'll never forget this. I asked him, are you saved? And he said, I'm not interested in being saved from anything except from nuts like you. That's what he said. It sort of set my witnessing program back a few weeks. It was very discouraging. Now, somebody would say to me, well, you shouldn't have asked him that question. There's a better way to ask it, and perhaps there is. But the Bible's term for it is to be saved. To be saved. When we think of being saved, we think of pictures of sailors clinging to the wreckage of a ship. Helicopters hovering in the night sky, shining their beacons on the sea in search of the living who must be saved. A few months ago, Don and I were in a condo, and it was a very quiet day, uneventful, and all of a sudden, we heard helicopters, five of them, right out in front of where we were staying, going up and down in front of this thing, and it went on for hours. I knew something was going on, and so I walked down to the pier and asked some of the people who had gathered there what was happening. A surfer had disappeared, and they feared he had drowned, and ultimately he had but they couldn't find his body, and so they were searching for him. And they never stopped until they found him. We think of a collapsed mine where workers are trapped far beneath the earth. Their oxygen runs low, and men crouch in darkness, wondering if they dare hope for salvation. We think of a little girl at the bottom of a well, or even the favorite word picture of a single stray sheep trapped on a perilous slope. The Coast Guard will find those lost sailors and no taxpayer will ever complain about the expense. The miners will not be abandoned. The little girl must see the sunshine once more and the one sheep must be rescued from danger. These situations are urgent. And when we see them on television, we stop and we pray and we wait. We may not even know any of the people, but instantly We find ourselves identifying with them and praying that somehow they will be rescued. They are lost and they need to be saved. But ladies and gentlemen, these temporal situations are transcended by the true tragedy of men and women who are lost in their own rubble of sin and darkness and pain. And often, even without knowing what they are longing for, our world's inhabitants are crying out to be rescued. We don't need to be saved from the sins of others. We need salvation from our own sin. Until we are willing to acknowledge that no matter what the Savior may have done for us, it will not connect with us at all. Until we are willing to say it's not their sins that is the problem. It is my sin. 
It is not my situation that's the problem. It's my sin that's the problem. Until we are willing to stand up before God and own up to the fact that we have failed him and we are falling short of his glory and the only hope we have is a savior, until then, whatever the savior may have done for us, it will not make any difference because he does not force himself upon us. He paid the penalty for our sin. He paid all that needs to be paid, but he waits for us to accept it by faith. The promise of the Savior and the purpose of the Savior. Notice the provision of the Savior in this same verse. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Please notice the fact of this Savior coming to this earth. This is a fact of history. It's very interesting that this verse, while it is so very short, contains everything we need to know. It says, for unto you is born this day a Savior. Jesus did not just gradually come upon this earth. There was a day when the Lord God was born into humanity. When he came through Mary and on a certain day, in a certain place, at a certain time, he was born into humanity. The Bible makes it very clear this is an historic event. On this day, Jesus was born. The birth of Jesus is not the beginning of a spiritual force, but the historic record of a person who had an actual birthday, a fact of history. But it is also a fulfillment of prophecy. Once again, in this one little verse, here we see it. For unto you is born this day in the city of David. The city of David, as you know, is the city of Bethlehem. And the Old Testament is filled with prophecies of the coming of Messiah in such a specific way that most Jewish people had a tendency to read right over the prophecies and not even understand them. Micah, for instance, had prophesied that Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Micah 5, 2, for you, Bethlehem of Though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. Now that's a wonderful verse, but it becomes a miracle verse when you recognize that it was written 700 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. The prophet Daniel in the Old Testament actually gave a timetable for the birth of Jesus. Isaiah said that Messiah would be virgin-born. Jeremiah said that there would come a time when, because of Christ's birth, there would be a slaughter of many children. And Hosea the prophet revealed that at a certain time, Mary and Joseph would have to go into Egypt to spare the life of the child. All of these prophecies, men and women, were given 500 to 700 years before the birth of Christ. And there were devout Jews who every day would read the scripture and wonder, will these things happen in my lifetime? The birth of Jesus was not only a fact of history, it was a fulfillment of prophecy. But notice it is also a foundation for eternity. Unto you is born a Savior. Listen carefully. Jesus Christ is our Savior. God came down and entered into humanity 
so that humanity would be able to enter into eternity. This birth of Jesus, while it began at a point in time, began something that will never end and can never end because when he was born into humanity, he opened the door for us to eternity. So don't discount this one simple little verse that records an event that happened when the Savior was born. There are so many people who celebrate Christmas without celebrating Christ. I always get kind of a kick out of that at this season of the year. All these people who don't believe in Jesus go into debt to celebrate his birth. Can you understand that? They don't believe in him, but they celebrate his birth religiously. Perhaps that is why there are so many who feel depressed on Christmas Day. The Christmas blues, it's sometimes called the SAD syndrome. Seasonal affective disorder, it's called. SAD. Season affective disorder. Whatever it is, if you happen to be down in the dumps during this season, let me give you some great counsel. Stop thinking about Christmas and start thinking about Christ. He is our prophet and our priest and our king. He is the master and the bridegroom and the good shepherd. He's the holy one of God. He is Emmanuel, God with us, and his name is called Jesus. John introduced him as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Magi recognized him as the King of the Jews, and even the demons called him the Holy One of God. Is this not the carpenter, asked the people of Nazareth. Could this be the Christ, asked the woman by the well. Thomas called him my Lord and my God. No, ladies and gentlemen, this time of year isn't about Christmas. It's about Christ. It isn't about presents. It's about his presence. You may not have family nearby, but your father is close at hand. Your faith is more important than your feelings. And he sets us free from chains we could never remove ourselves because he is our savior. He is our hope. When you get all depressed and discouraged about things that you have no control over in your life, let me ask you just to sort of push those away and refocus your attention on the one who loves you more than you can ever imagine, who came to this earth specifically to be your Savior. I know what a task I have as I approach Christmas each year. How do you break through the veneer that we have created around this season and even around ourselves? How do I tell you about the saviorhood of Jesus? I pray that God will give me a story that will help me to do it, a metaphor or some parable that will compare what we don't know with what we do know. My story today is a story that was told for many years by a great pastor of another generation by the name of R.G. Lee. 
R.G. Lee, for many years, was the pastor of what is today the Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee. He was at one time the president of the Southern Baptist Convention and was known across this land as one of the great orators and Bible preachers. Whenever he would preach on the saviorhood of Christ, he would often tell this story. The story takes place in the mountains of Virginia in a one-room schoolhouse that was so tough, no teacher ever lasted there more than a few weeks. It was a school populated with mean-spirited mountain boys who thought their main objective in life was to run off every new teacher who dared to enter their classroom. One day, a very young teacher applied for the job. The director of the school actually tried to talk him out of it. He said, son, he said, you don't know what you're going to do. You're going to take on an awful beating because you're so young. He said, son, even the most experienced teachers in the entire state never last here more than two months. Well, said the young teacher, I'm going to risk it. And he took the job. On his first day, he walked into the classroom and he noticed that the kids were gathered in the back of the room and they were sort of gathered around this one huge young man who he found out later was a guy named Tom. In fact, they called him Big Old Tom. That's what they called him, and he was the bully of the class. Loud enough so that the new teacher could hear him, Big Old Tom said, I'll take care of this one. I'll do it all by myself. I won't need anyone's help. He'll be gone by the end of the day. When the young teacher got up in front of the class, he said... I have come to conduct this class, but I must confess I cannot do it without your help. I think what we need is a few rules, and I'm going to ask you to help me make the rules for the class. What rules do you think we ought to have? This was the new one on this class. This had never happened before. As the teacher went to the blackboard, one kid hollered out, No stealing! And the teacher wrote it on the board. Nobody can be late. And he wrote it on the board. And by the time he finished, the teacher had ten rules for the classroom, the ten commandments of his class. Everybody agreed, and yet as they were agreeing, they were all laughing out loud. Now, said the teacher, there is no such thing as a good rule without a penalty if the rule is broken. What should be the penalty if a rule is broken? And big old Tom stood up and he said, whoever breaks one of these rules gets 10 licks across his bare back. And the teacher thought the penalty a bit severe and obviously this story is dated. <laughs> but he reluctantly agreed. So they went to school the next day. And as you can well imagine, the morning had not ended before a rule was broken. Big Tom showed up at the teacher's desk and said, somebody stole my lunch. So the teacher held court and said, class, one of the rules is no stealing, and somebody stole Big Tom's lunch, and I want to know who. After everyone had been questioned, a little 10-year-old boy stood up and said, I stole his lunch. I was so hungry, I couldn't help it. I stole the lunch. Well, the teacher said, you know what the rule is. You know that you get 10 licks across your back without your coat on. 
And the little boy began to beg, teacher, please don't do that. And whatever you do, don't make me take off my coat. Finally, the teacher, knowing he was on trial at this moment, made the young boy unbutton his coat. And underneath there was no shirt, just the suspenders that were holding up his pants. And the teacher was thinking, how in the world am I going to whip this child? How can I do that? But if I don't, I will have forever lost control of this classroom. What shall I do? He said to the boy, son, how is it that you don't have a shirt on? And the boy answered, my father died and my mom's real, real poor. And I only have one shirt. And on the day that she washes my shirt, I wear my brother's coat so I don't get cold. I'll have my shirt tomorrow, but I don't have it today. So the teacher slowly got the paddle, and as he was hesitating, trying to get the courage to inflict the punishment, Big Tom stood up, jumped over everybody in his way, walked over to where the teacher was and said, If you don't object, I'll take Jim's licking for him. The teacher made some philosophical statement about there being the right for substitute punishment. (laughs) And off came Tom's coat. After five hard strokes, he paused, the teacher did, and realized that everyone in the classroom was crying, especially little Jim, who by this time had run to Tom and had him by the neck hanging on for all he was worth. And he was saying, Tom, I'm awful sorry I stole your lunch. I was so hungry. I will love you till I die for taking my licking for me. And it broke the heart of all those hard-nosed kids and it broke the heart of the teacher because on that day, Tom had become his brother's savior. And you and I have broken the rules, haven't we? I have broken the rules. One day, the Lord Jesus came into my classroom And he took off his coat and he stretched himself out on a wooden beam and he took the stripes which I deserved. And that day he became my savior. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord. Do you know him? Is he your savior? You know, it's not enough to believe he's the savior of the world. The Bible says even the demons believe that and they tremble. In order for you to receive his salvation, you have to, number one, acknowledge that it's not your neighbor's sins or somebody else's sins, it's your own that deserves punishment. And then you have to come and say, Lord Jesus, Thank you for what you did when you died on the cross for me. That's what I deserved, and I know it. And I accept today your punishment for my sin, and I receive your forgiveness, and I accept you into my heart and into my life to be my Savior. And when you do that, according to the Scripture, you have been saved. Have you been saved? Have you accepted Christ as your Savior? At this Christmas season, the great message of Christmas is the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And I urge you today, if you have never done it before, to let this day be the day when you invite Christ to be your own personal Savior and Lord. Amen. Well, I think it uh, goes without saying that this has been one of the most unusual Christmas seasons we have ever enjoyed in our life. And in many respects, it's been kind of sad to see what has happened to some of the Christmas celebrations. But in another way, we have been reduced to the most wonderful truth of all. The Christmas is not about what we've made of it. It's about the real truth and meaning of Christ, his love for us, his willingness to give up his life for you and for me, that we might have salvation. I hope that there has been something about this Christmas that has broken through to your heart that will make it impossible for you ever to celebrate Christmas the same way again. Oh, my friend, do you know how much God loves you and how important you are to him and how much he was willing to give up so that you could go to heaven forever and ever and be forgiven of your sin. He sent his own son, Jesus Christ, and I believe that he sent him for you as if you were the only one for whom he would be sent. He loves you that much. If you haven't trusted him, as your personal Savior, don't let this Christmas pass before you do it. Once again, friends, Merry Christmas. Have a great day. God bless you. Today's message came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and Senior Pastor Dr. David Jeremiah. We'd love to hear your story of Turning Point's impact on your life. Please write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's 365-day devotional, Strength for Today. It's filled with biblical truth for the year ahead, and it's yours for a gift of any amount. And to keep your spirits bright through the holiday season, visit the Home for Christmas channel at turningpoint.tv your free source for Christmas music, videos, messages, and more. Contact us today. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us Monday for a special series of messages for the new year, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. This Christmas may be the most under-celebrated Christmas in centuries. Without the usual festivities and gatherings, people may be feeling a distinct lack of the Christmas spirit. With that in mind, Turning Point and Dr. David Jeremiah have created the Home for Christmas channel, an inspirational media platform offering free access to an array of Christmas music, videos, messages, and more. Sign up for your free Home for Christmas account at davidjeremiah.ca. Have you ever wondered what your legacy will be? The Jeremiah Legacy Society from Turning Point was created for friends of the ministry who feel called to partner with Dr. David Jeremiah to deliver the unchanging Word of God to future generations. We can ensure that the impact we have reaches beyond our days here on earth. Visit our website at davidjeremiahgift.org to learn more about how you can be a part of the Jeremiah Legacy Society. Most followers of non-Christian faiths don't celebrate Christmas, which is understandable. But there are many people who don't believe in Jesus, but who celebrate Christmas anyway. They believe in the season, but not in the person who is the reason for the season. 
Is it necessary to be a faithful Christian to enjoy Christmas? No, but only Christians have a reason to celebrate the true Christ of Christmas. Being excited about a celebration is not the same as being excited about the person who's being celebrated. I hope your Christmas is exciting and that in the midst of the party, you find time and reason to celebrate Christ himself. This is David Jeremiah, and that is the Christmas story on Route 66. Driving the word home this Christmas on Route 66. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. That's Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.